0: To the O Lord, do I lift up my soul? To the O Lord, do I lift up my soul? Wonderful week. I am very thankful that we were able to get through the remnants of the hurricane relatively unscathed. Although there are some folks who are severely displaced in the New Orleans area and just north of that and east, primarily. So we want to keep those folks in our prayers. We still have several members who are out with the virus, and it's hitting Mississippi and surrounding areas pretty hard right now, so we'll remember those folks. Melinda Hester's mother has been really uh, down lately. She had some issues. She fell recently and was in the hospital. She's returned home, but she actually fractured her knee and gonna have to take care of that for a good while. She's also in a lot of pain related to uh, Cancer and just want to remember her in our prayers There's a long list of people that we just keep continually before God and some of you have been on the list But you've returned and we're very grateful for that We're gonna sing a song have our prayer and then we'll begin our Bible class We have another Bible class that's taking place over there in the annex. It is a study of evangelism so if you'd like to participate in that, that's, that's great. You can make your way over there if you like to. I will remind you though, that over there, there's a requirement for a mask. So if you need one of those, there's some out there in the foyer. We're gonna sing 853, 853. We'll sing the, let's sing the first and second verse only. Isn't that crazy? Not first and last, first and second. I know, you, you'll have to look at the words because we're just not familiar. Let's sing those two and then have our prayer. Sing the one dressed up of Jesus Sing His mercy and His grace In the mansions, bright and blessed He'll be. In heaven we thank you so much for the day that you've given us and we're thankful thankful for all that that entailed uh, some of the uh, remnants of the storm that's passed by and we're thankful for protection in this area and for the sunshine and just a reminder of the many ways that you provide for us father we're aware of, of circumstances in the Gulf, and especially around New Orleans, people who still are displaced, have no power, uh, not even certain where their next meal will come from, and we pray, Lord, that relief that's there will uh, reach the people who need it most, and we pray that more relief will be on the way, and we thank you uh, for opportunities that we have to help in some of these relief situations. We pray for uh, those who are affected by what's happened in Afghanistan. And we pray for those Americans that still remain and those who are sympathetic to our nation that they can be returned to their homes safely. And Lord, we pray that just in the political world that you you would help those people who are in positions of power and authority to make those decisions that best benefit Uh, the good of this world, but especially we think about those decisions as they impact the spread of your kingdom. And despite what happens and what we hear in the news, I pray that uh, you can open up doors of opportunity even in those very difficult places. We pray for our sick and especially we think of those affected by the virus right now and some have returned, some still are quarantined or undergoing treatments. We pray for their deliverance and return very soon. We pray for the health of this congregation. You help us come back together as a body. We pray, Lord, that we'll not be fearful of these things, but we'll be trusting and we'll be wise uh, in uh, the things that we do. And as much as is possible, uh, that we'll be protected from the virus and its ills. We pray also for those who are sick with other conditions and those who have had surgeries or have had injuries. We think of Melinda's mother who's been sick already but fell and sustained some injuries. We pray for her quick recovery. Lord, I ask that you'll bless us as we're studying your will together especially as we're thinking about stewardship. And then tonight in particular, as we think more about the abilities that you give us. And I pray, Lord, that through our examination of these things, that you will help us to identify the work that we specifically are walking in. And then Help us not only get busy in that, but to keep that going and not to ever give up and to know that you will give the increase. You will bring it to completion. We thank you, Lord, for the ways that you use us to your honor and glory. Help us to see that from your word and then to embody it in such a way that we really live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last time we talked a little bit about the God-given abilities that we have. We're actually drawing off a text from 1 Peter. It's in chapter four at verse 11. We've already looked at some matters related to the spiritual aspect of what God gives and how we manifest that in terms of God's grace. But in verse 11, there are two things that are identified, and we've also already looked at one of those. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. But he also says that if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. So as you minister or as you serve God, you're serving him in a capacity that's fitting his will at the time. You are responsible for some aspect of a work that God is doing. His design is to complete that work. You're taking that on as your ministry. God's empowered you with the ability to do whatever it is that he needs you to do. And I hope we're aiming at success. So we talked a little bit about success, right? And I said that the kind of success that we're seeking is, is very much like any goal of success that you would have, even in the secular world. Because if you are really gonna have success, first thing you have to do is get started. I mean, you're never gonna have success if you're not busy doing something. So we have to launch the thing. And then secondly, once it's started, we wanna keep it going. So we have to keep the wheels turning in regard to the thing that we're committed to. And then finally, we're not gonna quit. Now, given that the ultimate goal is the completion of the task, that means that I'm I'm going to, despite everything that's happening around me or the stumbling blocks and setbacks that come along, I'm going to keep pushing because this isn't just any kind of work. This is God's work. Now, what's beautiful about doing God's work is that there is built in success. And what I mean by that is, if it's God's work, it's going to be accomplished. Now, if I'm subscribing to the work and I'm contributing to some part of it, maybe, maybe in that one particular work, I'm all that there is. So there's a lot, at least in the moment, that's relying on me. I, I can know or I ought to be motivated. I ought to be just pushed along with the knowledge that this is God's work. God's going to complete it. He can complete it with me if I just won't quit. Too many times Christians are like a lot of runners that I've seen in some of these long distance races. They'll get nearly to the finish. They've trained all these months. They know in their mind they can do it if they'll persevere. But something happens Either they didn't plan their energy requirements, or they become dehydrated, or they have an injury, and many times people will just stop, almost to the end, but not quite. In the Christian race that we're running, in this this work that we're doing that already has built-in success, we should never ever entertain the idea of quitting, and especially not quitting when we have come so far and we are so close, at least to our end of the work itself. So we were going we're to ask ourselves in this study, are we ready? Are you ready to use the ability that God has put in you, the resources that he's put in your hands, the opportunities that he places in front of you? Are you ready To have that success that ultimately is geared toward God's honor and his glory. If you are, then just like we said, in terms of success, the first thing that we have to do is get started. So we talked about getting started, didn't we? And I was reminded of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, last week we looked into that and there's our assurance. He's begun a good work in us and he's going to see to it that that work is completed. So we started asking a few more little questions of that. Okay. How, How is it that I am actually walking in the particular work that I'm in. Because I dovetailed that text, Philippians 1.6, with another familiar text, and that's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, where it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, we should be walking in the works that God has prepared. The question again is, which one of those am I walking in? Which one of the works that God has prepared am I walking in? And then we scattered some texts around and read them together, and I gave you four. I could have given you many, many more because there, there are a lot of things that God can use us in, but I wanted to focus in, and I wanna share that list again with you that I gave you last week. I wanted to focus in on eight of the works that are described in some of these texts. Now, we looked at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. We saw how important each individual is to the body. And then kind of just a, a cursory examination of several things that members of the body could do. They specialized in, and he makes the point, if you're specialized in something, then do that. Another text was Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And in in that whole chapter there, especially the first parts of it, we're talking about the unity that's found in the body and all those things that are working together, each individual part, each responsibility, especially in terms of leadership, it seems in this passage, all of those things combine together to equip the church, to edify it, to build it up, to create the unity that we all desire. Another text that we looked at was 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we looked specifically at verses 28 to 31. And really that text, the whole whole point of that was, even even though you're talking about a setting in which the Corinthian church had been empowered by miraculous spiritual gifts, yet the principle was the same. Whatever it is that you have, use it. In the very best way that you can use it. You're not using it in order to elevate yourself above somebody else to say, well, look at what I've got. Boy, I must be more important to God than you. That's not why we do it. We do whatever is in our hand, capability, responsibilities, opportunities, resources, whatever it is. We use those things to God's glory, not to our own. And then the final little piece of the puzzle was just one little statement that you find in 2 Corinthians chapter one verses three and four, and that had to do with the idea of consoling how how God is the the father of uh, he's the father of mercies and the god of all comfort okay so out of out of that mix of texts then I, I wanted to pick out several eight in fact of those works that are described there that you and I can be involved in and probably I'll list some of them. You'll say, well, Ken, I'm already in that. What I want to be asking then is, okay, how is it that this work in particular brings glory and honor to God? Now, I want to stop right there for a minute and define a term for you. And it's the word glory. Do you know what I'm meaning when I say the glory of God or God is glorified? You can voice it this way. You can say, well, Ken, I can't crawl in your head and know what you're thinking it is, but here's what I think it is. Okay, that'd be good too, if you want to take a shot at it. As a hint, I would say, if you want to take a shot in the dark. Ha, 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 ha.
1: Yes, we should.
0: But we still didn't define the word. But good use of the word. (laughs) Uh, Pardon? Yes. Thank you so much, Kim. What a relief. Yeah, to glorify God carries the idea of shining the light on God. It's like, have you ever seen like in theater when one of the characters might be surrounded by a bunch of people, but one character does what's called a soliloquy. He stands among the group, but usually it dims and the spotlights put on them. It's like they're in the group, but pay attention to what I have to say. Usually it's some reflection of maybe what they're thinking or they're reminiscing, whatever the subject matter is. And whatever it is they're talking about. The point of that is, in that setting, in effect, they are being glorified. That is, the light is being shined on them. All of the attention is placed on them. Okay, now, think about this. When we do whatever work it is for the Lord, whatever it is that He prepared beforehand that we should walk in it, whatever work I'm walking in, I am not walking in that so people will look at me and go, wow, you are like the best fill-in-the-blanker I've ever seen. That's not what motivates us to do it. What should be motivating us to do whatever it is that we do is that God will receive the glory for it. Reminds me, maybe it does you too, of what Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 16, right? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. But what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yeah, they'll see what you're doing. And yeah, they'll say, wow. But they glorify God because that's your point. That's why you're doing it is to bring glory and honor to God. Okay, so let's go through very quickly a list of the things that I want to share with you from those major texts that we read. One... I think we talked about a little bit last time, and that was the idea of giving or benevolence. Now you know what giving is, you're contributing something of what is in your possession as a steward to a work or benevolence. It might not be money, it might be feeding somebody or giving them water. Matthew 25, 35, 36 comes to mind where I'm, I'm helping others and then in the process of doing that, I'm actually doing it for the Lord. That's glorifying God. How is it that when I give or let's back up, what attitude am I using when I give or I do benevolence that actually will cause that activity to bring glory and honor to God? Okay, I'm going to give it cheerfully. I'm going to give it as I have done what to myself. Did something to my heart. I've already purposed it in my heart, right? Okay, now let's say that might be true in terms of passing the collective tray around on a Sunday, but is that the only point at which we do benevolence? In fact, no, right? I mean, that, that is a corporate thing we do in a worshipful setting with a heart that's right and already prepared, but there will be opportunities for you to have a benevolent spirit all through the day. So how is it that when I interact with a benevolent case, that I'm able through that to give glory and honor to God? How might I do that? Uh, Let me give you an example. I'm pretty sure that if you help somebody out who's in need, I don't know. Here's a great benevolent case. It's not even really about material things other than you were in the parking lot. I don't know, maybe at Walmart. And one of those Walmart cops was not there with the cart with the pump on it or whatever. So you saw they had a flat tire. You stopped. You helped with the flat tire. They turn around. Are they happy or sad with what you just did? Man, they are so, they pat you on the back. You are like the best person in the whole world. Now they are happy and thankful for you. But what does this present you with an opportunity to do? Okay, you could invite them to worship. But, but in, the, in the moment of the benevolence, they're thankful that you did that. But what, what you're wanting to do is share with them what motivated you to help in the first place. And what would that be?
1: Yeah, you know, it it never
0: hurts us to identify people, identify for people who exactly we are. You know, hey, I'm just a, a follower of Jesus wanting to help people in need. Something as simple as that takes the moment where you got the pat on the back and puts it where? It puts it on the one you serve. I don't know if that was a goofy illustration or not, but I hope you get the idea that what I'm doing in terms of giving and benevolence, I'm not doing so that I'll win Benevolent Spirit of the Year award or that people will notice that I did it. In fact, in most cases, probably nobody's going to know it except you and the person that you're helping. And there will also be opportunities in your life to do a thing anonymously. People are funny when with anonymous gifts. They want, they, they want the anonymous component, but it wouldn't hurt if somebody found out I did it. <laughs> no, please don't strive for that. Okay, a, a second thing. How about evangelism? Oh, Ken, you just went kind of to the other side of the earth. Okay, I don't mind reaching out to people and fix their tire or give them a meal or something to drink, a bottle of water or whatnot. Man, evangelism... How is it that we glorify God in doing evangelism, in sharing what you know about your salvation? How does that glorify God? Okay, let people know who you serve. What would you say, Sue? Okay, you want to save the soul. Let me ask you this. Who, why are you evangelizing? Who told you to do such a thing? Okay, the Lord did. So when you do what the Lord has commanded you to do, and you are active in that process, guess who's glorified in that? The Lord is. You didn't know to do that otherwise, except that you've been instructed by the Lord to do it. So on the basis of the knowledge that you have. Now, you say, well, Ken, I, you know what? Evangelism, I'd rather maybe do something else. But you remember Sunday, we talked about the process of the experience. As you are going, you make disciples. In other words, as, as you're living our life. Now, listen, you may not know every verse of Scripture to tell somebody to go look to. You may not have an idea of the answer to many of the questions that they would ask you. But here's something that you do know you do know how it is that you became saved. Yes or no? Because if your answer is no, please have a study with me. Okay? If your answer is, I'm not really sure, then you need to know about your salvation. But sure you do. You remember exactly what happened. You remember the process that you went through And even at that very base or simple level, you are giving glory and honor to God because uh, who made salvation possible? God did. That isn't anything you can bestow on somebody. That is only something that comes through uh, God. Uh, Another term is the word edification. Do you know what the word edification means? Okay, to build up, literally to uplift or uplifting instruction, that's the idea. Okay, so edification. How How is it when I edify, when I build somebody up, how is it that I bring glory to God in that? Because here's the thing, many people think that, well, especially they would highlight the Old Testament God, they say, well, all he does is, is kill people. You know, he's just all about judgment and bringing people down. Well, edification is about Building up, then how do I bring glory and honor to God when I'm building up? Does it do that? Because that text we looked at from Ephesians chapter 4 said it very much is is a part and parcel of what we do. So, uh, building up. How about this? In this world, You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What? Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And yet, if we walk around as though we are tribulated and beaten down and stomped on all the time, and we walk around, as maybe many would accuse us of, of having a sad and long face all the time, does that bring glory and honor to God? Does a negative, despairing disposition all the time bring honor and glory to God? It does not. We're reminded that despite the tribulation, who has won? God has won. So you're going to face tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why would you be filled with joy? Because he has He has overcome. You can be an agent of that, can't you? Nod your head this way. Um, And by the way, would now be a good time to be an edifier? (laughs) Uh, Absolutely, it would be. Okay, a fourth term would be consolation or being a, another word for that would be a comforter. Is, Is offering consolation to people a means by which we glorify and honor God? I'm trying to condition you to say yes to all these questions. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Now, let's think. Now, the, the, the reason that it glorifies God is because it's from God. And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and we found out that as pertains to God, does he know something about comforting and consolation? Okay, he's the God of all comfort. And then that text tells us that we are able to comfort others because what has happened to us? We have ourselves been comforted by God. Now think about that. Maybe we should look at these categories in another way. First of all, how has this affected me? In terms of consolation, maybe someone... God or God using someone and it flowing through them, them being that conduit through which the comfort of God comes or the consolation of God. When I experienced that comfort, then I then knew exactly what it is to be comforted by God. And then when I saw an opportunity to comfort or to console, when I did that, Then that's not me. They say, well, oh, you've just learned so much how to cope with your experience. I'm just so glad that you came here of your own own volition from the experience that you've learned so much. And you just shared that with me and you've helped me so much. Yeah, that's true. But let me tell you something about what I experienced. I feel this way because of, well, what reason? How do I glorify God in this? Well, one thing. You say simply, right? I've experienced the comfort, the consolation of God. When Paul talked about that, like in first Thessalonians chapter four, you know, the very last verse, verse 18, he said, you comfort one another with these words. Now, what, what words or what event had he been talking about that was comforting to those folks? Second coming of Christ. There is going to be, for the child of God, what? A resurrection, right? We're going to meet the Lord in the air. It's going to be amazing. You are able to comfort others because of the comfort that you've received. I'm going to tell you, death, the experience of death can be a traumatic thing. But when we have the consolation of God, there's the knowledge of life to come, more to come. I can't imagine the kind of despair that a person must feel if they have no concept of God or don't believe in a life beyond this one. I can't, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine the despair and the hopelessness that should, could go with that. As a child of God, you can become the agent or the means by which God is glorified through consolation. After all, he is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And then there's a matter of just simply encouragement. And that, again, goes to the idea of the oneness of the body and how it was to build up. How do you and I glorify God by encouraging one another? Does like... No, Hebrews 10... 24 come to mind, you know, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, what attitude is being described right there? Okay, I, you know what, I, there are a lot of things that might set us back or throw us off course. And in the case of the audience that he's writing to, you've got some people who have been so off-put, they're ready to quit Christianity altogether. But you know what, I think about getting together and looking forward to being together. And you know, I just want just to encourage you to come back and be a part of this. Because in the body, how do we feel? You remember when we came back, we'd been separated because of this virus craziness and the Sunday that we came back and this whole auditorium was filled with people. You remember how good that felt? I'm telling you, before I ever got in this building, I was thinking about how it was going to feel. About how amazing it was going to be to be back with the brothers and sisters. But when we do that, who is really being glorified in that? Who even made that all possible? God did. God does. God makes all of that possible. He talks about teaching. How do we glorify God in teaching? Okay, it's, remember, it's His Word, right? So when I'm speaking His Word, that's not of my own. If it is of my own, you know what it's worth? This much. So if it's God's word, then as I am, I'm becoming the conduit through which the word is being presented. Then God is being glorified. We say that is true, but it's true not because of me; it's true because of its source. It comes from God. Another interesting category that's mentioned in, uh, at least in a couple of places, or at least alluded to in one, is the idea of administration. Now, what is administration? The administration of the school, blah blah blah. The administration of the hospital, blah blah blah. Who are those people? Okay, they're in charge. They oversee. They they order things. They put things in more. They administer. <laughs> they uh, make applications. So they help guide us. Uh, where would you find administration in the church? Okay, in in our leadership, in our in our elders. I think that's the idea there. So how do we glorify God? If you are a person that's gifted, you have the ability, maybe you've been trained some way in administration, how is it you glorify God in that? You do it by lording over people and demanding that they listen to you and give you respect? (laughs) Uh, No, you know that's not right. So... Not as lords over those entrusted to you, but as shepherds, right? What do shepherds do with sheep? Just beat them into submission? Okay, you lead them. Uh, one reason you don't beat sheep into submission is because sheep are pretty dumb. <laughs> so, all you would do is kind of damage your sheep. You've got to come up with something clever in order to lead them, right? And so you're not going to be abusive to them. You're going to lead them. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to care for them. And that is, that is the idea of the administration within the body. It is not a lording over. It's not a demand for respect. But you earn respect because, first of all, we're all striving to serve the Lord, So your capacity in that as the administrator is to facilitate everybody's ability to serve the Lord. And when you do that, then you're bringing honor and glory to the Lord. Absolutely, you are. And then the last thing that I was going to mention was the idea of exhortation. Anybody know what the word exhortation means? Okay. Okay. To to encourage, that's a good definition. Uh, It means to urge somebody in that sense of encouragement or to persuade somebody. Actually, when a a preacher preaches his sermon, they sometimes refer to that as hortatory, exhortation. He's standing up there preaching, trying to persuade people or to urge them or to encourage them to act in a particular way. So if you if you have if you are walking in the work of exhortation, then how is it that you will be able to bring glory to God? How do you shine the light on God? Okay, it could be the example of your life. Uh, Paul told Timothy, who's the young preacher, right, to be an example to the believers in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. That would be exactly right. And again, uh, kind of dovetailing that, if I'm encouraging you to do something, then what? I should be doing it myself, right? Set the example, set the pace for that. So, yeah, those, those are ways to do it. But again... If I'm exhorting, if I am striving to urge people to do something, I'm not urging them to do something I invented. I'm not urging them to get on my team. I'm urging people to do what? To recognize whom? God, right? Again, I'm trying to put the focus, trying to put the light on God. So I got, listen, we all need to ask ourselves, What is it? Maybe one of these eight or some other thing you find scripturally. What is the work that I am currently walking in? And when you figure out what that is, maybe you've already done that. You've been in that for a while. Then keep going. Do not stop. I wanted to look at some passages with you because I want to ask that question. How do I how do I keep it going? Right. How do I keep going? Would someone read Titus chapter 3? We want to look at verses 8 and verse 14. Titus chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 14. Somebody get that quickly and read it for us. Woohoo! Here we go.
1: Okay, stop right there.
0: They should be careful to do what? To maintain good works. What does it mean to maintain a good work? We're talking about keeping it going. What does it mean to maintain something? Okay, not going to keep it going along. Does anybody have a different translation from that? Something along the lines of the person ought to be devoted to or devote themselves to good works. Okay. You see, that is another translation of the word that that we have here for maintain. Actually, at, pardon, Titus chapter 3 verse 8, you'll also find that same word in verse 14. We'll look at it in a second. Marilyn's going to read that for us in a second. Okay, so... It has the idea to maintain in the sense of being devoted to something. So I'm maintaining it, not like I'm over here watching it, but I'm doing what? I'm all in it, right? This is my work and I'm what? I'm all in it. But another way that that word is sometimes translated is to rule over it. Now that also, uh, to me, even in a stronger sense, gives the idea that, you know, it's not like one of those guys that's in a nuclear station whose his job is to watch the dials. So he just sits there all night and he watches the dials. Not that kind of maintenance. We're talking about the kind of maintenance that isn't just about observation. It's about getting in that thing and literally ruling it. Because what are you? Let's go back to our original study. You are the, starts with an S, ends with a D, and has a two-word in it. Two-word in it. Okay, you're the steward of God. What has God given you? Whatever it is that this work is. So what does he expect you to do? Just kind of sit back and watch it go? No, he expects you to... Dive right in. He wants you to rule over that thing. Okay, read verse 14. Maintain your good works. Meet urgent needs so that you are not unfruitful. Question, how am I going to bear fruit for the Lord? So Somebody says, well, you know, you got to do this or this or this or this. Stop. There is a work for you to do. You're going to bear your fruit in what work? Uh, Maryland's work? Is that where you're going to do it? No. You're going to do it in uh, Brother Crow's work? No. You're going to do it in whose work? The one that you have been assigned to do. The one that you are, quote unquote, ruling over. And you're going to give it all that you have in order to satisfy that God can be glorified in that work. Also, yes. I go, I think. Well, this is, and I get this courage. somebody but it's not what I'm doing. It's why. Not what. Why? Exactly. Exactly. Our motivation is huge here. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse fifty-eight. Someone read that one, or if you just know it, just quote it for us. First. I'll read Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Always abounding. What does it mean to abound in something? Is that tigger? Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> not that. To abound. Typically you would think to abound means, well, I'm doing good at it. You know, I'm 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 over the top on it. But but the word from which this is translated. Probably should have been, although maybe there's no great way to say it, but to super abound. It's like, it's not just kind of lapping over. It is a perpetual flood. So as I'm in this work, not only am I ruling over it, but how how well am I doing? Because I'm doing it for God. Can't contain it. It is Flowing over the edge. It's super abounding. This thing is is crazy out of hand. To God's glory. And then Titus chapter... If you're still in Titus, are you still in Titus, Maryland? Uh, Flip to chapter 2 and read verse 7. Oh, you're not. Anybody in Titus chapter 2, verse 7? Okay, be a model of good works. And this goes back to a Jones reference a moment ago. You are an, if you're a model, you're an, starts with a E-X. You're an example of how to do this thing. Okay, so I'm already saying, boy, I'm in it. And I'm going at it. I'm trying to bring glory and honor to God. And as I'm doing it, I've been kind of and setting an example for other people to see. And then also, uh, Bridget, verse 14. Titus 2, 14. Us. Zealous for good works. What, is it, what does it mean to have zeal for something? On fire. I'm fired up. Man, this is my thing. Think about it. You know, if you... Uh, this is just another test for you. Just just to help you. You're thinking, uh, what is it I do? What is it I do? The, the work that I'm walking in. If you say, well, I do this, but, uh, you know, I kind of hate it. I just, I don't know. I just, I do it because they asked me to do it, but uh, I don't know. If that's how you feel about it, stop doing that and find something that you are fired up about. Something that you just, man, as soon as your foot hits the floor every day, it's what you dream about. If we could do that in the body of Christ, you know what would stop us? Nothing. Nothing would stop us. We would never quit. Who has begun a good work in you will do what? What will he do? He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When will God give up on this thing? Never, ever, ever. You might, but he won't. And he's going to complete it. You say, well, Ken, I I might begin this thing, but it might get so big, I'll never see the end of it. That's okay. You know what God will do? He'll get somebody to follow after you. Because God is going to complete this work with you, hopefully, or without you. You remember what Mordecai, Mordecai said when the question came up as to whether or not Esther should go to the king, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know what? If you don't go, that's fine. Then you and your family, you'll be lost to history. And God will raise somebody else up to do it. But who knows? And this is for you too. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? God has a work for you to do and you ought to do it. And not ever, ever, ever quit. Okay? Now I'd it this way. We will! All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for the awareness of your work in our lives. We know that you're gonna accomplish great things and we wanna be a part of that. So Lord, please help us to assess ourselves, know what our worth, value is in your kingdom and to get passionate about it. Thank you for everything you've put in our hands to do. I pray we'll be great stewards, faithful in that regard.